It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. I'm Connor Ferguson, joined by Kyle Huseman, uh, about to talk some high hawk witness. I can't even talk today. Cyhawk Women's Hoops. Uh, and want to remind you guys, this is uh, presented by J Corp. Uh, they present all of our women's basketball content we do at Cyclone Fanatic. Uh, Kyle works for, uh, remind me what the site's called. Hawkeye Report for Rivals. <laughs> Hawkeye Report. I would have spaced on that. I'm all over the place today. Um, but we do we usually get together for the Cyhawk game every year. Uh, Kyle's let me stay at his place for the game this year, and uh, we'll be up there for women's and men's in Iowa City, and uh, hopefully we'll see a couple of good ball games. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, sounds like they should both be be pretty good games. I mean, on paper, I guess. That's not always how it works out. But, yeah, the hope is that they're two really good games. Right. At the very least, it's packed with emotion, moxie, charisma, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that usually leads to, in whatever way possible, entertaining games. I think the last one we saw on either side that wasn't entertaining was uh, Bohannon's shoe game, right? That was the one where Iowa got out to a 24 lead right away on the men's yeah, side. Yeah, usually, I mean, yeah, I mean, usually all the games are close. I can't. I mean, men, women's have been good the, a lot the last couple of years. And I mean, last year's men's game wasn't that close, but um, yeah, I mean, usually they're always really good games and, and that's what you hope for in a rivalry for sure. Yeah. And uh, before we get into this year's game, Iowa state uh, trying to find their first win in Iowa city since 2006, I believe last time they were there, Iowa went on a 17, nothing run to tie the game to start the fourth quarter. So that epic collapse of Iowa State um, that day and a similar one uh, in Portland against UNC um, a week ago. Is that only a week ago, nine days ago, something like that? Um, and then the time before that was Ashley Jones missing uh, the potential game winner shot from the corner uh, in, her, in her first game in Iowa City as a freshman. So I know Ashley's still motivated by that. She had an interesting quote about this year's game uh, saying that it's not Caitlin Clark versus Ashley Jones, it's Iowa versus uh, Iowa State. What do you think of that when you saw that, Kyle? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think both teams are good enough that that it's not just that match. But I think if you were talking about two All Americans and that was all they had on the team, I think that would be the match if you're looking at. But but like we we've talked about, you know, and your you, the questions you answered for me, Monica Sonano for Iowa. I mean, McKenna Warnock's been an All Big Ten caliber player. Um, there's other like Kate Martin, Gabby Marshall. You know, even off the bench, Iowa's options and obviously Iowa State has some really good players as well with Lexi Donarski and Emily Ryan. Obviously, Sora's the the transfer coming in at center so I, I think i think everyone wants to talk about obviously the the all-american matchup especially with uh ashley coming from iowa city that's that's a that's a big thing as well but i think both teams obviously being in the top 20 iowa state's top 10 now uh there's certainly a lot more to talk about than that ashley jones and caitlin clark matchup yeah and we've seen uh not and i don't want people thinking that i'm playing media hat or, or poking at you. I'll definitely throw some shots at Iowa later in this podcast, but I was dropped to number 16 in the rankings, uh, three losses in the first nine games to start the year. What led to those losses in your opinion, Kyle? I know Caitlin Clark had no problem scoring in any of those games and she kept Iowa in them, but what, what led to, um, ultimately losing all those games? Yeah, I think first off the Kansas State game, um, I was there for that one. The the first half, Kansas State stuck with them. They scored a lot of points. Um, there were a couple of players for Kansas State that just hadn't shot the ball well uh, early in those first you know three four games for them, and they came out and shot the ball well. Uh, they had they had a guard that was two of nine uh, in their first four games. She was like six of eight in the game or something like that. Um, so it was a I remember you tweeting. I remember you tweeting about that one for sure. That specific stat line. I remember you tweeting about that uh, K-State player stat line that I forget who it was, but she all of a sudden goes off randomly uh, that night against you guys. Yeah, it was Sarah Shamatsi. She had six three-pointers in that game. It ended up being a career high for her. Um, Then the other thing was the offense in the second half kind of, I don't know that I want to say slow down is more that they just kind of stopped running the offense almost. They were kind of, I don't know if they were surprised by the game being as close as it was. Uh, there were some turnovers. There were just possessions where the offense didn't do anything. It was kind of everybody standing around, not a lot of movement, things like that. There were some turnovers late. Uh, and then, then the fourth quarter comes down to Gabby Gregory getting to the line, you know, it felt like 40 times in the fourth quarter. I know they got to the, the free throw on like eight times in their last 12 possessions. Um, so that certainly helped Kansas state. Uh, then the UConn game, I thought that was just a really well-played game by Iowa. I mean, that's nothing. there's nothing that came out of that game bad. I mean, uh, obviously you'd like to pull the upset when you're up by 11 points in the third quarter, but uh, UConn made some runs like they normally do. Um, but, yeah, overall, Iowa got contributions from, you know, McKenna Warnock had a good game. Gabby Marshall added some points. Kate Martin was 6 of 6 from the three-point line. Um, so of the three losses, that's the one that, that you really look at and say that's one that you're not really worried about. It was a good, play, well-played game. Uh, and then they turn around, you know, a couple of days later and play at home against NC State. Uh, everybody's sitting there looking at them like, this is a team that can compete with anybody. They just showed it against Connecticut. Uh, and then the defense struggled badly, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. They couldn't get a stop. I'm sure you saw Caitlin's highlights. She was knocking down every shot imaginable early in the fourth quarter to to try to get something going. But but Iowa had nine field goals in the fourth quarter and Kansas State answered eight times out of those nine. Um, the defense just couldn't get a stop. Uh, there was a lot of frustration after that game. Uh, so the Kansas State ones and the NC State loss is, are the two that, that uh, I, I wish I think they want back in terms of things that they really probably should have won that game. 
the Connecticut one, I know they really wanted, but that was one of them where it was, it was kind of more one of those, we can compete with this team. I know the team after the game said, we feel like we can, com we competed with them. This was a close game. This wasn't, you know, us backing into it and, you know, keeping it close. It was one that they were winning. Um, but I know the NC State game really frustrated them, and they came out and played well against Wisconsin the other day. And that seems to be a thing we've seen with both these teams and that if you get out to a big lead, if either of them get out to a big lead on Wednesday, we're recording this Tuesday, so if we say anything like tomorrow or anything, just know, uh, know that. But if either of them get out to a six-point lead, it, it becomes even more integral to – figure out how to make that six point lead turn into 11 and make that turn into 16 and so on. Um, and that's, that's how you have to play these games. And especially in women's basketball this year, it just seems every team can catch fire at the right time. And that's obviously the sport of basketball, but it's happening all over the place. And we're seeing these crazy finishes and everything like that. I, I think this game has definitely the potential, especially when we look at, uh, and Ashley Jones was talking uh, about this a little bit, but how is the, how do you anticipate the game being called? I guess they, how how do you think? I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this for you, Kyle. But how do you think um, calling a game is going to impact Iowa or Iowa State in a positive or negative way? Yeah, I think that's always one of those. You know, in a rivalry game, it's always kind of one thing that I wouldn't say gets looked on more. Um, because it's always one of those games that, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be fouls that aren't called. Um, that's just something that you have to be ready for because it's a rivalry game. There's going to be a little bit of extra, you know, physicalness in the post. I know there was last year, especially with Monica Sinano. Uh, I think you could have said in that game, there were fouls that weren't called, but that's, I mean, you go at the end of the game and you can say, you know, there were some fouls that weren't called, but that's just kind of how rivalry games go. The refs, the refs know that, that there's going to be fouling and they can't, it happens with Caitlin a lot. I think she's a great example of it. Uh, teams get physical with her at times and, and Caitlin's talked about it before as well. You can't, the refs aren't going to call 50 fouls in the game just because it's, that's, that's what's happening. They're going to have to let some stuff go. Um, and I think that's kind of what happens in rivalry games. So I, I wouldn't expect it to be anything crazy tomorrow where people are getting fouled left and right and they're not getting called. Um, but I think there's some stuff that you would normally see called that, that might get let go tomorrow. Um, but I don't, I don't, we'll have to see how it goes. Hopefully it's not skewed to one, one way or the other. Uh, hopefully it's not poor officiating uh, overall, but we'll have to see once it gets there. But yeah, I think in a rivalry game, you always have to expect just a little bit more physicality and, and you know, maybe not as many whistles. I do too. Cause um, I'm, I'm in full agreement with you there just because I know, you know, going to Carver and stuff, um, hopefully you're still hearing this. It says my internet's unstable again. I'm on a hot spot. We're really chugging along this week. Um, but I know with Iowa fans, they have a reputation to boo a lot. They, they hate officials. What's the deal with that, Kyle? Uh, <laughs> I mean, Iowa State's just, the same I'm, way. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say Iowa State's the same way. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think that's a lot of teams. To be honest, when the officiating's not quite going their way, or or they think it's not going quite their way, they're they're upset with that. I mean, I think that's a lot of places. I know I, I'll come back to you and say that Iowa State does that a lot as well. But 
But I mean, especially in, in close games, for sure. When it's a close game and there's a call that you don't think goes your way, that you're going to be upset. It's just, it's just how sports go in general, I guess. I would go as far as to say that you should be upset if your home team and you get a call that goes against you. Just boo. Just that's what that's what you're in the stands to do. Okay, just towards the refs. Be respectful towards the kids, though. Please, they're just kids. Um, the thing I don't want to see is a really tight you know, ticky tacky foul game. I think we could all agree on that. I don't want to see Caitlin Clark and Ashley Jones with four fouls at the end of the third quarter. You know, I think that would, would that be exciting? I guess in, in a way, if those maybe were the only fouls called all game, maybe, but I don't think anyone wants to see anything along those lines. I don't think we'll see that tomorrow at least. No, and, and you don't like games that have a lot of fouls in general, even if they are real fouls and not the ticky-tack ones, just because it slows down the game so much, especially with Iowa and Iowa State, teams that like to score a lot of points. Um, you, you don't want that to be a game where all of a sudden, you know, the final score is 90 to 80, but it's because both teams made 25 free throws. That's just not the type of game you want to see. Even if it comes down to the wire, that's just not going to be the type of game that you leave thinking, that was a great game. It's going to be one of those that, you know, it was – just one at the free throw line, which is is not really how this game deserves to be um, to be won. So hopefully it's it's one of those that it's called evenly on both sides. They're not calling too many or too few fouls. It's a, it's a, it's a tough ask, but we can hope for it. I'm really excited to see how uh, Sonano and Suarez uh, do against one another. I think I talked to you about that. All right, so the hot spot has uh, suffered one uh, punch to the throat. Um, it's back. Uh, it's doing good. Uh, we'll see how it responds and uh, see if it can make it through the fourth quarter of this podcast. But uh, we we're talking about Monica Sonano against Stephanie Suarez, and it's going to be Steph's first real big test this year. I know UNC had some post players, but I, you know, they weren't top of the nation, top of the line um, type of talents. I think Sonano's proven herself as definitely one of the contenders there, at least on Iowa State's schedule, as one of the top five that she'll see uh, through the year, especially at this time of year in her eighth game. So I'm interested to see how she can handle uh, the atmosphere. I know that was uh, part of why she wanted to come to Iowa State. She wanted to play in big games like this. She wanted to play in the WNBA and uh, play in atmospheres like that. So I think this will be a, a real test um, to what she can do as a player uh, and what she wants her career to turn into. But I'm really excited to see how that matchup kind of transpires and how each person does. Yeah, it's. I think, I mean, I know you put it as your matchup to watch, and I think I'm going to do the same just because uh, Soares kind of has a little bit of a different, she's a little unique in the way that she can step out and shoot a three. I know she's only made, you know, seven, but she's, she's attempted enough and made enough that you kind of have to, to worry about it. And Monica is not necessarily someone that Iowa wants out on the perimeter guarding. Um, so I'm interested to see how far they let her go out to guard, how they're going to do that. Cause I know that she can drive a little bit as well. Um, but Iowa, Iowa has actually had a pretty decent test so far early in the year for Monica to go up against some really talented players. Uh, they had the six, nine girl they played against Oregon state, uh, Ali Ag- Edwards from Connecticut. They got to go up against a couple of really good post players for NC state the other day. Um, so Monica has been tested this year against some really talented players as well. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it'll be interesting to see how Monica can go up against someone that's a couple inches taller than her in the post rebounding is going to obviously be a huge thing. 
Um, but then, but then on the, the the defensive side for Monica, how did she she go up against someone that's probably probably better, um, probably more refined than uh, the six nine girl from Oregon State? Um, but then the other thing is, how does Iowa State in general guard Monica? Because I know teams have been kind of clogging the paint a little bit uh, early in the year, and that's why Monica's had a couple of games where she's only scored you know eight ten points. So I'm curious to see how Iowa State if they if they borrow any of those things that other teams have been doing, or if they. Just let Stephanie and Monica go one-on-one down there. Um, But, yeah, I think that's definitely the matchup to watch. And I think part of the game will see that. But I think Iowa State is – I don't have any inside information or didn't didn't pick anyone's brain on how are you going to attack them. But I would think at some point Iowa State is going to find a way to try and draw Sonano out to guard – or as uh, whether it be ball screen switches, stuff like that. Um, what's the rest of Iowa's post defense? What do they look like, I guess, behind her? Because if Iowa State finds a way to get Sonano tied up somewhere else, you still got to find someone on Ashley Jones. And it's just going to be tough for both teams, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think um, I mean McKenna Warnock could could probably guard Ashley Jones down in the post if that would that I think McKenna does a pretty good job against players, not necessarily someone taller than here. I guess I guess we haven't seen that matchup a lot, but I think she would do a decent job in the post if it came to that. Um, but other than that, Hannah Stolke, the freshman, is someone that you'll probably see come in and, and get some time in there, especially if Iowa wants to go with a smaller lineup. I think I think you could see Stolke on the floor if Soares goes to the bench, and then you might get a little bit of a smaller lineup for both teams. Um, but yeah, Addison O'Grady is another center that's going to come in. She hasn't been getting a lot of minutes as late. Um, I, I've been kind of surprised to see her not take a step from her freshman year. She, she was pretty good last year in the minutes that she got. Um, but I think Monica is obviously going to be the one that's going to She's going to be out there, you know, 30, 35 minutes. It's going to be who can uh, give those other minutes. And I think Stolke and Warnock will be ones that aren't necessarily centers uh, that can get out there and also guard someone in the post if it comes to it. Absolutely. What uh? What do you think? I know you've watched enough of these games. What do you think of Lexi Donarski uh, guarding Caitlin Clark? I mean, I know the star players go off; they're gonna they're gonna score their points. But what what is the key for Donarski um, to slow her down? Or I guess what's what's Caitlin Clark gonna adjust? Um, but I guess that's also an unfair question because she hasn't really had to adjust unless you're. I guess standard for Caitlin Clark is score enough points for Iowa to win, which at times could be 50 and she's capable of doing. Yeah, I think, you know, it's hard because Caitlin's going to get, even if she has a bad shooting night, she's still going to get 20, 25 points, whether it's getting to the free throw line, getting to the rim, getting a layup, uh, things like that. She'll knock down a couple of threes anyway. Um, but, the, but better defensive players have been able to frustrate her at times if they can um, not necessarily foul her, I guess, um, but you know, get up in her, get really just do very good defensive work in general, and get her frustrated. Maybe force a couple of turnovers. Uh, the other thing that Caitlin does really well is, is passes the ball and, and gets assists that way to help the team that way. So if you can cut her down on that and force a couple of turnovers, get her a little frustrated. Uh, that's the that's the best way to get her to get her to have an off night is if you can get her frustrated early in the game. I know Indiana's guard last year, uh, Cardona Hillary, did a really good job on her. Um, but yeah, Caitlin's going to get her points. It's just a matter of if you can play good enough defense to, to get her to miss some shots. Um, but if you let her get going, like the other night uh, against uh, NC state, you mean she's pulling up from the logo and knocking down shots and there's really no way to stop that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm interested to see that matchup, see how Darnarski does. 
Um, because I, if Caitlin goes off for 40 points, um, I mean, it depends, I guess, because I did the other day, I tweeted out that, that Caitlin, when she scores 40 plus points, I was one and three. Um, so not, maybe not necessarily 40 points because that means she's doing too much. Um, but you know, if Caitlin's able to go out and get 30 points and shoot the ball well, and also go get 10 assists, I think that's going to be where that's going to be where that's a, the formula for Iowa to win is if she's all of a sudden, you know, getting 30, but then also assisting another 20 points by herself too. Would you red light Caitlin Clark after she gets to 39 then? Uh, I think that'd be a sensible score, coaching. Honey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other night she had 45 and they lost by 13. There was the, the Michigan game last year. She had like 46 at Michigan. And they lost, they were down by like 20 in that game. That was the game where she made like five logo threes in that game. Um, but generally when Caitlin's hitting, getting 40 points, it means that, you know, Monica's not scoring many points of the, you know, McKenna Warnock's only got a few points. So Gabby hasn't hit a shot. Um, generally when Caitlin's scoring 40 points, it's because no one else is doing anything. And Caitlin has to score 40 points to keep him in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's a close game and Caitlin has 40 points, I wouldn't say, you know, we got to stop shooting because the record says, <laughs> I would love to see a coach just have that. Like guys, no, no more. We're one and three. When this happens, we can't be going down that road again. Um, you, you brought her up a little bit earlier. I'm excited to see, um, what Kate Martin can do. She had that game where she started going off six for six, right? From the three. I'm, if, yep. if someone in this game and that's, you know, Bill Finley's talked about that a ton, um, in these rivalry games that it's usually not the star players going off. It's a unsuspecting X factor catching fire. Who was, uh, Tommy, how do you say her last name that hit that game winner? Tywo. Yeah. Tell me Tywo. That, that's a perfect example of just, you know, you never saw her taking that shot coming, um, even in the context of what that game was. So I'm excited to see what, uh, I guess the, I don't want to call them role players cause they're not, but it's just supporting stars, whatever that movie term is. How, how do they, uh, come out and perform in this game? How do they perform under pressure in that environment? Um, you're the ticket guy too. What's the, uh, what's the ticket number at? As of this morning, I saw someone, I think Jeff Linder, the Gazette said 2,700 as of 10 AM. So now it's 2 PM. So I, I, I think that's still a little low. I'm hoping it gets higher over. I mean, it depends how many people try to show up tomorrow and grab tickets when they get there tomorrow morning or something like that. Um, but you know, if they get to 1300, that's 25 short of a 2,500 short of a sellout. So it's going to be, it's going to be close. Yeah. And that's going to um, be cool to see. Cause just with, there's no upper or lower deck in that arena. The stands are a little far away from the court, but that doesn't take away necessarily from the atmosphere uh, for this game. At least the two times I've been there, it's been a great atmosphere. Yeah, this is going to be interesting because the last Cyhawk game at Carver had no fans. Obviously the game they mentioned earlier uh, with Iowa's big comeback. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, the other thing is, is women's basketball fans at Iowa are very different crowd than the men's basketball fans for sure. Um, I've said, you know, 10,000 women's fans are going to be as full or it's going to be as loud as a 15,000 sellout for a men's game. Um, so, you know, the Michigan game last year, the, that, that end of the regular season for the, the share of the big 10 title, that game was sold out and that that's I've said, that's the loudest I've heard Carver for a basketball game. Wrestling has been louder, but for a basketball game, that's about as loud as it gets. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a great environment. I know there'll be a lot of Iowa state fans there too. Um, 
but it's going to be it's going to be from as long as it's a close game it'll be from tip off to the final buzzer it'll be a very loud and great environment so you called me on that was there was there no fans or were there some am i remembering that wrong uh i think was it just family i don't remember honestly i, I feel like i feel family. like that was that family and friend type of year but i feel like that, yeah, that was still like that passionate was, crowds against each other that was kind of unique because it was like it's still like there's noise you know it wasn't noise yeah. ringing your eardrums but you i mean usually like crowds like that aren't affecting me i spend too much time around race cars i can't really hear very well so sometimes it affects my memory and how many uh people are there but i'm probably thinking of a highlight video or a game i watched uh from carver but their fans support women's basketball well yeah i mean so does iowa state too both both i know last year's crowd at iowa state was great as well um but yeah i mean i expect i expected nothing short of a really great crowd loud crowd all the way and the other thing that i've always liked about iowa's crowds especially uh women they do it more than men's crowds is that you know the women's team can be down eight ten points in a game and they hit a hit a three-pointer all the crowds on their feet they're trying their hardest to get them to come back um and that's what that's what you want as a player is that crowd that even when you're losing you know you hit a shot or you hit a couple of shots they're they're up they're ready to go they want you to, to get that big stop and make that comeback um, and that's something that I don't think every school has. They might get big crowds, but they don't have one that's, they have one that, you know, you get on a 10 0 run and that's when they're on their feet. You know, Iowa crowd, it's, you know, four or five straight points and all of a sudden they're on their feet. Right. And that's kind of what you want um, in college basketball. I've said it before, Colorado and uh, where they put their students. Have you ever looked at their arena? No, I have not. The entire lower bowl is students. Oh yeah. The student that's, section that's, is that's all the way time. around the court. Um, the first, however many rows I, I would do that at any school. Give me the athletic director keys and I'll, I'll start that car up right now. That's exactly how it should be done. But, um, anyways, women's basketball in the state booming. This should be a great matchup at six o'clock ESPN two on Wednesday. If you are thinking about going to Iowa city, get your tickets. As soon as you're listening to this, there might not be any left. Kyle, did I forget anything? Well, I mean, we can go over what we think is going to happen in the game. I was going to go back to your supporting cast uh, comment. Um, I think, I think obviously both teams, you, you mentioned Lexi Donarski on defense. She hasn't been shooting the ball real great. She's one to keep an eye on because she has the ability to make shots. You know, she could easily go out and have a five, three pointer game. That's, that's not something that's, you know, far fetched to think. It's just a matter of her going out and doing it, which she has the ability to do. Um, you know, for Iowa, you mentioned Kate Martin. Uh, Gabby Marshall's and Gabby Marshall's kind of in a similar, uh, area as Lexi Donarski where she hasn't been shooting the ball. Well, Gabby's actually been shooting it worse than Lexi, but they, she has the ability. She's done it before where she goes out and can make three, four in a game. And all it's going to take is one of those performances where, you know, Caitlin already has, you know, her 25 or 30 and Monica's going to have her points. And all it's going to take is a Gabby Marshall to hit three threes or a Kate Martin to hit a couple or a Gabby or a McKenna Warnock to all of a sudden have a 20 point game. And that's going to be the difference. Um, so I agree with what you said. And I believe you said Bill finally was saying it, that it's probably not going to be the Caitlin Clark or the Ashley Jones, or even the Stephanie Suarez and the Monica Sonano that, that, that is the one that wins the game. It's going to be who who steps up beside him and adds the the ten or the fifteen or the big shot late in the game. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. I hate Kyle's a huge prediction guy, and I always throw out obscure predictions in the hopes of getting one right, and it never comes down like exactly correct. I'm waiting for one of those. Um, why don't you go first, and I'll figure out what obscure score I'm going to throw out. 
Well, I'm not, I'm not going to give you a score. I I'm leaving that for my, for my preview to, that I'm putting out in the morning. That's exclusive. Um, I'll give well, not exclusive. You can read it in the morning. I know, but that now, now you're saving your score prediction for Hawkeye for the uh, Hawkeye site. Yeah. Well, I'll give, crafty, you, I'll give you crafty I'll, I'll give gamesmanship I'll, from Hawkeye fans. Like we always see. I'll give you up until the final score. I I think for Iowa, the, I think Iowa, the biggest thing last year, they allowed some offensive rebounds um, that, that ended up potentially costing. They turned the ball over too much. Uh, I think those are two big things that if Iowa can rebound, which they've been doing, I believe they're in the top five in the country in defensive rebounds this year. Uh, if they can do that, if they can limit turnovers, which they've been doing at times this year, I think those are the two big things. And then the other thing is just, like I said, who's going to step up, you know, the, the NC state game, Caitlin went for 45 and she was the, the there were two people in double figures, her and McKenna Warnock. Um, and I believe Warnock had eight free throws to get her to 15. Um, so I think those are the three things, limiting turnovers, limiting offensive rebounds for Iowa state, um, because that'll take away the free points for Iowa state. And then who's going to step up and be the one that's going to help score along Sonano and, and Clark. Um, I don't think this is going to be, you know, a nineties or an eighties type game. I also don't think it's going to be a sixties type game. Uh, I think it'll be similar to last year where it's, you know, middle seventies, high seventies. Um, I'm, I'm thinking high seventies is where I'm going to go with my score prediction for tomorrow. And when I tell you that I do not know who I'm picking tomorrow, I'm serious. I'm very much on the fence because I don't know if Iowa plays a really good game, you know, a Connecticut type game. Um, I think they could win. And I think they would win if they played like that. But if they play an NC state type game, I think Iowa state wins. Um, so I, I haven't made a final prediction. I think high seventies is score. I think it'll be a four quarter battle. It'll come down to, you know, the last five minutes, like you would expect with two very good teams. Um, I guess you'll have to wait till tomorrow to see who I pick. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right, right on with all those. I think for Iowa State, the keys come down to staying out of foul trouble um, and honestly hitting your shots. I don't think I've ever gone into an Iowa State game where I was like, they need to make their shots under a Bill Finley team. Obviously, it's that's elementary analysis, right? But Iowa State went nine for 32 in their last game and nine for 35 in the game before that. And if either of those are incorrect, then I flip-flop them. Um, but that's from the three-point line. You you can't shoot that poorly in this game. There's too much confidence on the line. There's too much momentum on the line. I know there's some people that are momentum deniers. I'm very much a truther in that department. Um, you need to have the momentum on your side, and especially on the road, because the second they hit the three, that mute button that you just pressed on comes right off, and the volume's back up to full blast. So they got to hit their shots. They got to stay out of foul trouble. If you can do that and get that defense exposed at its weaknesses, that has shown a little bit of, but Iowa State has has a diamond in the rough um, in a sense of what their roster makeup has been over the last few years um, in teams that they've taken to the NCAA tournament. This one has the most well-rounded um, shaping to it. So you have to, you have to take advantage of that when you can. I think this is a game where that has to come out. Danae Fritz has to shoot better than 
two for 12 from the field, whether those were missed layups or three pointers, you need Danae to hit her shots. Her defense is valuable in its own right, but stuff like that all over the place. If Iowa State can do that, I think they win the game. I think it's close. Um, so I'll go like 82 80. I think it ends up coming down to the last possession, whether that's Iowa hitting a late three to make it two with two seconds to go or something like that, or actually coming down to a game winning shot. Um, I'd love to see overtime. Maybe I'll predict that. Yeah, I mean, then you probably tied at 81 overtime to 87 84. All right, that's a low scoring overtime, but I'll, I'll take Aitlin, it for that. Aitlin Clark and Ashley Jones fell out on a double technical for, <laughs> for saying mean words to themselves um, in agony of missing a big play. Yeah, that would that would quite that would be a game that would have it all. I think the other thing that I do want to mention is I don't think this is not the game where if you get up six, eight points, this is not a game where you go, all right, we're up six, eight. We should be, you know, even in the fourth quarter, I think this is a game where both teams have players that, you know, an eight point lead, an eight point lead could be, you know, Ashley Jones comes down gets a basket plus a foul. And then you get a stop and a score. You're right back in it. Same way. Iowa state's up eight. It takes a Caitlin three and, you know, find McKenna Warnock for a three. It's all of a sudden a two point game. So I think that's going to be one of the biggest things is if a team gets a lead, of, you know, maybe even eight, 10 points. How do they play with that lead? Do they kind of back off a little bit, which I wouldn't expect from either team, but how do they play if they can get a lead, especially Iowa state on the road, if they get, you know, a six, eight, 10 point lead, how do they play with it? Do they allow Iowa to sneak back in it and vice versa? If Iowa gets a lead, do they allow Iowa state to sneak back into it? Um, we'll have to see how that goes, but I think that's the biggest thing is if a team gets a lead, they can't let it go and let the other team get that momentum that you were talking about, because that's absolutely a thing. It happened in the, the Iowa NC state game where NC state answered every single shot that Iowa had and they won that game. Yeah, you're definitely correct there. I think that's the biggest thing. If we ever see an eight point lead, those possession, that next possession for the team leading is probably bigger than it is for the team trailing. If we're being honest. Yeah, I would think, you know, like I said, eight-point game, you know, Caitlin Clark hits a three, it's a five-point game. What does Iowa State do on the next possession? Do they do they come back, do they get a basket, a layup, do they, they hit a three right back, or do they miss a shot and allow the Iowa crowd to get into it? Do they let Iowa – or the same way, if Iowa's coming back – uh, or if Iowa has the lead and Iowa State hits a shot, does Iowa, you know, have an empty possession? Do they turn it over? Does someone force a shot? Those, you're right. Those those possessions, when you when you come when you have a lead like that, are you extending the lead? Are you keeping your lead where it is? Are you allowing the other team to come back into it? And in a rivalry game, that that's the type of game where someone steps up and hits those shots, and all of a sudden that eight point lead, you're losing by two, three, four points again. Absolutely. All right, Kyle, you got 60 seconds trash on Iowa State. Anything you want to say? No, I'm not allowed to do that. What? Hawkeye Report is gatekeeping Cyclone Fanatic from some fantastic content. I I was going to let you say whatever, and I was just going to fire back with, we should have planned this. Maybe next year we'll we'll just roast each other for an hour and call that the pre. Trying to get me in trouble at the end. No. I think I think the one thing that I will say is not not talking trash to you. So I think there's a lot of story. There's a lot of storylines in this game. There's the one that you look at it of Ashley Jones, obviously being from Iowa City. There's the obvious ones on the surface that you can pick out. There's a lot of storylines within this game that not everyone knows about. 
that you know they're not going to talk about in the press conference it's it you know the there's things here and there that people don't know about that maybe maybe you got to ask someone that knows those programs a little bit more about them but there's more storylines to this game than you know the ashley jones being from iowa city or or caitlin clark having iowa state in her final three type things and that's what makes it so much fun is it's a rivalry game so there are those storylines you guys can ask me just dm me i'll tell you <laughs> I, I won't do that. You got you have to find out your own way. Ask I, knew, Connor, I guess. I knew when you said I just got to say one thing. It wasn't going to be something <laughs> actually trashing on Iowa State. All right, that's uh, Kyle Huseman from Hawkeye Report and Rivals. You can follow him on Twitter. It's his last name is H U E S M A N N. Kyle. So that's his at name, Huseman Kyle. Um, give him a follow. He's a great dude. He might scream at you for complaining about the refs on Twitter, but it will only last two tweets. <laughs> yeah i mean same thing i guess everybody follows you that's listening to this but we're gonna both be there tomorrow i'm excited uh should be a good game i'm i'm ready to get to carver tomorrow two hours early and sit there and just talk about the game for two hours i've been i've been waiting for this game since you know like june i've been excited for it this is gonna be it's gonna be a fun one kyle and me are the same way because we'll probably carpool and like i'd much rather do that and just sit there and take in the atmosphere that we're about to see in a big game i don't want to do that for iowa state against siue right but definitely for this big of a game i love the sidehawk rivalry um sorry to david eichel gotta say that it's a great rivalry no one's ever said the red Sox and yankees shouldn't play each other no one's ever said that so I'm excited. Hope you guys are too. Get out to uh, Iowa City if you can. Watch some great basketball. If not, ESPN too. And uh, follow Kyle, uh, Hawkeye Report, and uh, Rivals. So thanks a ton for doing this, Kyle. Appreciate you. Yep, thank you.